As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, the 49ers may be out of the playoff chase now. In all likelihood, that is the case. We still don't really know for sure. But, hey, we can't say that they made history on Sunday, at least Shanahan-era history. And it's not the good kind of history, guys. That was the most wasted defensive performance of the Kyle Shanahan era. And I'm not just saying that as hyperbole. It it actually is. The 49ers gave up only 3.1 yards per play. Across all defensive statistics, they were excellent. That's the third best that they've seen under Shanahan. And the only two better were against the Packers last year and against the Rams last year, both games that they obviously won. Well, this one, the 49ers lost. I mean, that's how pathetic the offensive play was. Nick Mullins gave up two touchdowns on his own. Fumbled the ball. Chase Young returned it for a touchdown. He threw a pick six. I mean, if only just one of those plays is avoided, the 49ers likely win. I mean, Matt, the 49ers, when they're up seven to six in this game, I think win if they just kneel it out for the rest of the game. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced of that. That's how overmatched Washington's offense was. And uh, that was the theme from all the 49ers players and coaches, at least offensive players and coaches after this game. Yeah, and make no mistake, those were both Nick Mullins' errors. I mean, he should have, uh, you know, wrapped up the ball better when he's sort of moving through traffic uh, along the line of scrimmage, uh, which was what happened with that fumble that Chase Young returned for a touchdown. And then um, he just threw to nobody uh, on that throw to, to Kyle Juszczyk. The fullback seemed to recognize that there was a safety lurking over him, and he sort of bolted downfield, and Mullins just let the ball go, and Cameron Curl, the safety, easy pick, 76-yard return for a touchdown. The game reminded me, Dennis, a little of the, the Saints game. The 49ers gave up only 237 yards to the Saints in that contest. They, uh, they knocked Drew Brees out of the game famously. They didn't knock Alex Smith out of the game today. Uh, Smith seemed to hurt himself on his own, but uh, it was another game where it was a good defensive effort, great defensive effort, and uh, they were just done in by their own self-inflicted mistakes. Uh, In this case, three turnovers, as David noted, two of them going for touchdowns. If I'm a defensive player, I'm a little pissed off. 
I mean, anytime you go into a football game and you only, first of all, you don't allow any touchdowns. You only allow three field goals, I believe. Uh, and your offense can't get in the end zone and put points on the board. And they also give up. I mean, was it 17 points? Even with the with with one of the fumbles that turned into a field goal. I mean, you give away points like it's Christmas. Well, it is Christmas, but you're just giving away points to the opponent. So the defense played well. I was really surprised after last week. They came out and they kind of set the tone. But if your offense can't be effective and can't put points on the board going into this game the 49ers they couldn't make mistakes and that had to be the game plan but that's all they did the entire day was make mistake mistake after mistake so I don't know if it's them being away you know from that home field but it just you know it just looks like the offense is just not clicking and it didn't help that Debo goes out the first play and then really no one steps up your receivers are dropping balls if I'm a defensive player and I'm in that locker room and yeah you win together you lose together but I mean, you, you got to check that offense and say, you know, what's the deal? We went out, we played our butts off, and you guys couldn't put 14 points on the board. Well, I think we've seen this ever since Shanahan took over the 49ers offense, and this is nothing groundbreaking because I think this happens across the, the sport of football, but the offense tends to rise or lower to the level of play that it's seeing from the quarterback position. And here's something that I compiled. This was the 10th time that the 49ers had allowed 4.0 yards per play or fewer on defense since 2017, since Shanahan and Robert Sala took over. So we'll consider four yards per play. That's kind of like the cutoff for a really good defensive performance. Jimmy Garoppolo has started seven of those 10 games with great defensive support like that. The 49ers are 7-0 and in those games, and they average a win of 30-8 to in those games. They average by a win of three touchdowns when they get a defensive performance comparable to the one today. And the one today was on the lower end. It was at 3.1 yards per play. So that's a game that, you know, this. I'm not praising Garoppolo. I'm just saying that competent quarterback play, given the parameters of what we saw for the defense today, should give the 49ers a three-possession victory. Obviously, Nick Mullins is not giving the 49ers competent quarterback play. Now, is is that a fair ask? He's a backup. I get that you can't expect a, a full season of of competent quarterback play, but the 49ers just needed him to build a bridge this year, and 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 obviously uh, he, he was not able to do that. They needed either a win against Buffalo or either a win here against Washington, and now if they even are still alive, they're on severe life support right now. So I think it, it goes back to the most important position, and it goes back to protecting the football. And, you know, we used the term game manager so pejoratively until you realize that the one thing Nick Mullins failed to do today was manage the game. They needed a game manager today, and they didn't have one. Yeah, it's funny how much uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's standing has improved with him being absent this last month. Reminds me of the uh, the Seinfeld episode where George Costanza stops going to work, and all of a sudden he's up for a huge promotion. Not <laughs> being there uh, helps him out, and uh, I think everybody is understanding exactly what the alternatives are without Jimmy Garoppolo. And I really admire Nick Mullins. He's someone who's made something out of nothing. Undrafted guy, doesn't have any really remarkable physical skills, and he's managed to start 15 games in the NFL. Well, he's now 5-10 and 10 in those 15 games. And people were wondering, why not give Nick Mullins the hook? You know, after the 49ers fell behind, after he sailed a couple of throws over his receiver's heads after he fumbles and it's returned for a touchdown. Kyle Shanahan didn't seem to be making any sort of move 
towards the bullpen at that point? And the answer is that because the only other guy on the roster right now who plays that position is C.J. Beathard, and C.J. Beathard is 1-9 in his 10 starts. So the alternatives aren't very good. I think if it's not clear, it should be that the quarterback composition on the 49ers has to be different next year. At the very least, there needs to be somebody after Jimmy Garoppolo who could come in if he's injured. And as Dennis will tell you, he's injured a lot and have a better than even shot at winning a game. Right now, the 49ers don't have that. They need to get better at backup quarterback. I think that they need to bring in one veteran, you know, maybe not a longtime starter, but somebody who's been down this road before, who's started games in the NFL. And then I think they need to to draft a quarterback, a young guy in the second or the third round who might not be your guy in 2021, but he's somebody that can be a possible starter the following season, somebody who's going to push Jimmy Garoppolo. Because right now, the quarterback stable is not good at all. It's pretty bad, actually. <laughs> Even your franchise quarterback, he's not consistent. He can't stay on the football field. He can't stay healthy. And that's been the case for the last three seasons. Now, when he's in there and he's healthy, you go to Super Bowls. But if he's not in there, I mean, the drop-off is just its just huge. It's like falling off a cliff. And and Matt, you said two things there. You said he was, a, he was undrafted and he lacked what? Any physical gifts. Yeah. And oh, so, so, physical so gifts. That, that, now he's got mental gifts. <laughs> so that says it all. I mean, he, he just does not have the arm strength, I don't think. And and he talks it, but he can't walk it. And I think you talk to this kid, he seems like he's got a grasp on the game plan and how to play this position, but it doesn't transfer on the field. And that's the most important thing. As a quarterback, you got to be able to make plays when you're on the football field. And I think about that pick six when he was, you know, he runs to the sidelines, he's rolling out, and the DBs just kind of baits him. Like, he's not going to throw this. He can't throw this. He just doesn't have the arm strength to zip it in there to Cal to, to make that reception. And and, and in turn, the, the DB is just like, well, I guess I'm just going to, like Kinlaw said, I guess I'm going to the house. And it was an easy pick six I didn't I think he just lacks that arm strength moving forward what do you do I mean you have two backup quarterbacks that are basically the same guys that can't get it done so yeah I I agree with you I mean if you're going to stay with Jimmy Garoppolo and his big contract and he's going to be your franchise guy you gotta start developing another young quarterback so you know the the drop off is not so so great if if Jimmy Garoppolo can't complete another football season Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I know that I pound this table every single week, but I think this plugs into what both of you guys are saying. You have to work on that offensive line because, A, that increases the chances of Garoppolo staying healthy. He was hurt this year when the left guard was beaten against uh, the New York Jets. You can argue that he was hurt against the Kansas City Chiefs a couple years ago because he was running for his life behind a bad offensive line. So, you know, anybody could say that Garoppolo is not durable as, as the next guys in the division and that might be true but if that is true then it makes investing in the, this offensive line and, and in pass protection 
all the more important. And guess what? That can also help. It can also help insulate you, uh, you know, against the potential Garoppolo injury. If the backup, you know, isn't quite as talented like Nick Mullins, well, he might have a chance to look a little bit better when the right tackle isn't a turnstile, when right guard isn't struggling as much as it is right now. And I get the problems on the interior for the 49ers at center and right guard because of all the injuries there. But uh, Mike McGlinchey, as a top 10 pick, it has to be a player that you can rely on in mono-a-mono pass protection. With the game on the line, you can't have Mike McGlinchey just getting clean beaten by a player like Montez Sweat, who obviously was a first-round draft pick as well, is talented. But, I mean, the 49ers, Matt, seem to lose way more of those battles than they win. I mean, when I watch this team on film, the times that they truly stymie an opposition and pass protection is when they're coming off the benefit of play action, right? Or when they're doing anything to kind of feign the run and then going pass off of that. But when it's straight drop back pass protection, when that defense is pinning its ears back, uh, the 49ers seem to be as bad as any team in defending their quarterback in, in football. And that becomes a huge problem in games like the one that we saw on Sunday. That's why they struggle to come back. It's not just on the quarterback, and I think Kyle Shanahan tries to emphasize that. He obviously was very displeased with those unnecessary turnovers from Mullins on Sunday, but there are serious problems when this offensive line tries to anchor down in pass protection, and I think that whatever the 49ers do in the quarterback room, it needs to be accompanied by uh, some investment in the offensive line this offseason. Yeah, you you, um, expect to see right tackle struggle across the NFL, and, and you do see that. But when you invest a, a top 10 pick in one, you shouldn't have that worry at the end of games. And that's sort of been the calling card this year for Mike McGlinchey. He's been, he's been fine uh, a lot of the time, but when it, when it comes down to crunch time, and, and, I, and I think I'm remembering it from week one and some other early season games, when you absolutely got to have it, he hasn't been delivering. And, and you're right, Montez Sweat, uh, two straight plays, a play that to Kendrick Bourne that got the 49ers within striking distance at the end. They almost came back in this game, but uh, it was a clear hole takedown really by Mike McGlinchey on Sweat on that play. And then Sweat just bull rushed him, just knocked him right back into Nick Mullins on the, on the final fourth down play, and, and Mullins couldn't get the ball away cleanly. I'm wondering about just the the size, the strength. I know that McGlinchey has has dropped weight in recent years. Uh, This is a a smaller, more mobile offensive line. You've got to be able to move in space for those zone stretch runs and whatnot. That's something to consider, but you also have to be strong enough to to anchor against the Montez Sweats of the world. And that's what made Joe Staley so special. He was 295, sometimes 285, but he was still sort of the the, the team's weight room champ. I mean, he lifted more weights. Um, he was very strong. I think McGlinchey needs to add that. And, and if that requires adding more weight, that might have to come. But you're right. I mean, uh, they drafted McGlinchey with a top 10 pick with the hope that, okay, we'll play him at right tackle for now. And when Staley moves on, we'll think about moving him to the left side. Now that's, that's not an option. I mean, you, you sort of painted yourself into a corner with the 49ers. Now they have to resign. Trent Williams to a long-term deal. And this is going to be a big deal. And that's going to cut down on the other things that you're able to do this offseason. I mean, they've got holes up and down this roster for 2021. Cornerback, pass rusher. They really only have two receivers signed for next year. They're, they're good. They're great. But there's really nobody beyond Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. So the laundry list of things that they have to do is huge. 
And like I said, they've sort of limited themselves as far as the amount of money they can spend by some questionable drafts over the years. So to me, that's uh, that's a big deal. Uh, Dennis, what did you see from McGlinchey from that offensive line in today's game? Well, I saw those last two plays you were talking about, an opportunity to maybe win this football game, giving up a holding penalty on a big gain, and then come back and just get bull rush and, and kind of dropped in, into, into your quarterback's lap. You know, we talk about his weight. He's still a 300 pounder. He's a big man. He's not a little man out there. And a lot of that has to do with your technique. If you're getting bull rushed or you're getting beat to the outside one-on-one, I don't know if weight has anything to do with it. I think that's more about your technique and kind of how you're setting yourself, how you're kick-stepping, how, what's your base, what's your hand placement. If you're squatting or if you're standing straight up, if you're getting bull rushed, you're not getting bull rush from a good two-point offensive lineman. You're, you're getting bull rush because you're standing up. And you talked about the holes. You talked about Trent Williams. You got to sign him. And on defensive side, all the different holes. I think that brings up a whole you know, different topic when you talk about the business of football. And you have a quarterback that's going to make a lot of money next year. What decisions are you going to make? Is that something you're going to stay with or are you going to try to free up some cap space. And Richard Sherman, you know, he he touched on it. You got to pay Fred Warner, you got to pay Trent. And, you know, there's a lot of money that has to go out that you don't have. And where do you get that money from? So kind of where we're talking about a team that, that went to the Super Bowl last year. We're talking like this is a team maybe two or three years ago with Trent Baalke when there was nothing on the roster. But after this season, there's going to be a lot of guys that their contracts are up. And either you bring them back, you find the money, or... I mean, you do something else. So when we talk about this team, we got to start talking about the business of football and the money that's there. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 2020 has been cataclysmic for the 49ers. They started this calendar year with one of the most dominant NFC championship game performances ever, right, over the Green Bay Packers. I mean, the way they just poured it on, the way that they just broke their back running the football, and and defensively the 49ers were awesome against Aaron Rodgers in that game. And then they show up against Patrick Mahomes, who's already on a Hall of Fame trajectory for the Chiefs, and they're up 10 points late in that game with a chance to win the Super Bowl, bring home the trophy. That was this calendar year, and then everything just started tumbling and I mean, boy, that it was really one blow after another following that. And we've gone from point A, which was a glorious spot from the 49ers, to point B, which is in all likelihood eliminated from 2020 playoff contention. And now they're going to be entering a fight for their contention lives uh, moving forward because of the reasons that you just outlined, Dennis. That cap is going to go down. We don't know how much, and there are a lot of players that will either need to be signed or simply positions that need to be filled. Now, the good news for the 49ers is that that they have seen this coming now for at least a few months. So to their credit, they have positioned themselves, I think, well in the coming draft as far as accumulating picks. I think Quan Alexander is still playing for New Orleans right now. So, you know, that's on its way to becoming a fifth round pick in this draft. And the 49ers have 
shown, I think, very capable uh, judgment from their scouting department with with how well they've uh, drafted in the later rounds. And they have a ton of those later picks, including some of those picks in the fifth round coming up in this next draft. So they're absolutely, Matt, going to have to hit in this coming NFL draft because that's the way to build a team, uh, you know, with a regulated price tag. Free agency is going to be extremely expensive. The 49ers might have to spend a bit there. They're, they're going to have to cut some dead weight there to, to, to free up some room. But uh, basically, th- th- uh, this offseason is going to be about taking a square peg or, and putting it into a round hole, right? Uh, you, you remember the, the scene from Apollo 13, uh, the great movie where they're trying to you know get, get the spaceship back into Earth's orbit and they have to pump out carbon dioxide out of the out of the command module, but they have to be able to do it with only the equipment that's available on the spacecraft. So the mission commander throws, uh, you know, at mission control in Houston, they throw a bunch of uh, equipment into a room with a bunch of engineers, and they say, take this, what we have right here, and make something that could pump carbon dioxide and filter the air out of it. And it was a nearly impossible challenge, but they got it done. And I think in a similar way, 49ers are going to have to overcome great odds to really do the limbo under the salary cap this season and and put a competent roster on the field in 2021. I think they did that this year, didn't they? That was what they kind of had to do this year. Put, you know, a square peg in a circle hole. And this is what we've got. This is what you have in your different rooms. Now make it work. And David's right in that. Given the the salary cap situation, you you do have to hit on your draft picks. I mean, they're... They're the things that make uh, you know your your roster affordable. The, the issue with the 49ers is that they're, they're going to have a, a lot of picks or more than they had this this past uh, draft, but they're only going to have one first rounder probably. And right now they're they're looking at four what I would call big ticket positions that they that they need to sign. Uh, one is offensive tackle, and and if they were to sign Trent Williams to a long-term deal, you, you, you take that off the list. But right now, it's a possibility. The next one, I think, is defensive end. We've been talking about that all season. The 49ers just don't have a bookend right now to, to, to Nick Bosa. And we don't even know if Nick Bosa is going to be 100% in, in September. Um, quarterback, we've, we've talked about that uh, a lot as well. And then cornerback is, is another one. They haven't used Dennis a... Uh, a pick higher than the third round, the, the the third rounder that they used on Akella Witherspoon, who, by the way, has been <laughs> in absentia this year. I mean, he's just vanished uh, from the face of the earth. But he's the, the earliest uh, draft pick that they've ever used at that spot. So, I mean, that, that that's a spot that could use revamping uh, in a big way. They only have one first rounder, though. So uh, some of these are going to be second, third, fourth, fifth. And uh, I I think they're going to be hard-pressed to make it all work together. I think there's still going to be gaps coming out of this upcoming draft. Yeah, and and I don't know as far as the secondary goes. I mean, Richard Sherman's already said it's going to be a miracle for him to come back. Akello, I don't see him being on the team next season. And and who has been the player that they've kind of developed in that secondary, you know, Emmanuel Mosley, I mean, Dante Johnson, these guys, I mean, who who's that guy that, you know, they've been developing? If you kind of draft guys later in the draft and you don't see them getting on the field early in their careers, you kind of develop them. And, and when the older guys kind of check out or retire or move on, these guys you, that, that you've developed move into their positions. That's the kind of way, you know, depth on a football team kind of works. I just can't think of anybody, in the, as far as cornerbacks go, 
that can step up and fill a role of a of a Richard Sherman on the other side. To me, the balance and how the 49ers are going to go about this limbos is so fascinating. Where do you go with the draft? Where do you go with free agency? Where do you consider a veteran presence like Richard Sherman or maybe Jason Verrett uh, a good complement to a younger drafted defensive back? You know, I think it's really important how you uh, mix and match the locker room so you do have that kind of veteran guidance because, you know, we could talk about Richard Sherman slowing down, Richard Sherman suffering more injuries, you know, all that we want. He's going to be 33 years old, but you still have to sit back and acknowledge how much good he's done for the franchise over the past three years, just behind the scenes in the locker room, helping, you know, scrounge some of the best out of some some of the young guys. I mean, the 49ers last season, yeah, I know the pass rush was great, but they still went from a bottom of the barrel pass defense to the number two pass defense in all football in 2019. And you can't convince me that Richard Sherman mentoring some of those guys behind the scenes wasn't a big part of that. And even this year, I mean, we're talking about how the defense stepped up in today's game. Obviously, they don't have Nick Bosa, so things aren't as uh, you know strong as they were last season. But they're still in the right position, generally getting the job done, giving the 49ers a shot. And the team is going to have to find a way to replicate the dynamic that they purchased, you know, with a free agent signing like Sherman, with, you know, the other players that they have. And they're going to have to do it with all these DBs becoming free agents and with not a lot of money and only a lot of draft picks uh, available in 2021. So it's going to be a tremendously complex puzzle. I don't think that there's only one way to skin the cat, and that's what's going to make it extra fun, Matt, because, you know, in terms of the 49ers defense, for example, maybe we'll see them place greater priority on coverage over rush instead of rush over coverage, which has been the way they've done it so far. I don't know. But uh, moving forward, it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun to analyze the, the path that the 49ers take this offseason because it does seem that there are so many possibilities and, and none of them is easy. So all of them are going to require some skill to execute here as we move forward. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that when you're talking to Richard Sherman in the month of December, you're you're talking to Richard Sherman's agent, who is Richard Sherman. So I don't think that the... Uh, the prospects are quite as bleak as, as he's painting them to be. And I agree with David that I think you need at least one veteran presence back there. Jimmy Ward is one of those guys, uh, but I, I'm talking about it at outside cornerback. I, I think I think that the team's um, plan is to re-sign uh, Emmanuel Mosley, who's a restricted free agent. So he should be fairly easy to bring back. And then it's to hope that one of this group of, of young guys, and that includes Tim Harris, that includes uh, Parnell Motley, he's a guy that they picked up uh, out of Tampa Bay earlier this year, they're, they're hoping that one young guy develops. Um, and in order to do that, I think you do need to have that, uh, that veteran presence back there. So uh, whether that guy's Sherman or Verrett, that, that's how I sort of see it. It's one of those two guys. It's Emmanuel Mosley. I think they'll be able to sign Kwan Williams, and then they're they're going to have a you know a, a group of young guys who really haven't done anything in this league, and um, the the hope is that one or two of those guys sort of rises to the surface and and becomes a player for you. But Dennis is right uh, to this point. I mean, I think Tim Harris was somebody they thought could do that. He's been injured. Uh, Akella Witherspoon. Uh, you, you you talk about Akella Witherspoon, you get. 10 different opinions as to what's happened with him. Uh, but uh, I think it's clear that he's not going to be back in 2021. 
Uh, and then that's it. I mean, there, there hasn't been a lot of developing because they haven't they haven't planted a lot of seeds at that position. Uh, so you, you reap what you sow, and, and the 49ers do most of their sowing um, at defensive line. Um, and so I, I think they'll, they'll stick to that philosophy, but it will be interesting to see how they go in, in early in 2021. And the 49ers historically have always drafted defensive linemen very high in their draft. I think this year we'll see that they'll do the same and they'll go out. And, you know, I don't follow follow college football that much, but they'll go out and they'll try to find someone to get some perimeter rush. I mean, we saw again today Deion Jordan got a sack. I mean, I, I don't know if he's a guy moving forward, but I think Kinlaw's getting better. Uh, Eric Armstead, I think he's a guy that benefits from you know, good players around him, especially on the outside. I think he's out of position right now. I think he is, even though he's, you know, he's six, whatever, six, nine. I think he's an inside guy. I can see them going out and finding some pass rusher or some type of outside perimeter rush. Uh, Maybe Ohio State has another, you know, defensive end that could rush the quarterback. But, you know, I think the secondary is is the secondary. And, and, and I think, you know, if, if you don't have that pass rush, this secondary is going to continue to get exposed like they have, you know, this year. But the year before, you know, this goal rush, Ford and DeForest Buckner and Nick Bosa. So 49ers will go out and they'll find a, a, a pass rushing defensive end. I don't know who's out there, like I said, but, you know, I can see a high pick used for that purpose well we're gonna have plenty of time to really delve into the 49ers offseason I think with this loss uh, we've tentatively started doing that I mean this is a team now that we'll have to win out just to get back up to 500 with three games left starting with Dallas next week and then you have Arizona and Seattle doesn't mean that these three games coming up are meaningless of course you know for the 49ers a miracle could still happen enough teams can still lose they can win out they can get in but even if that doesn't happen I think that because of how complex this coming off season is the 49ers are going to want all the evaluation data points that they can get and it's really hard to evaluate a team without the centerpiece you know, or the centerpieces available. Nick Bosa's not coming back this year, but Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle might come back this year. And hey, from an offensive evaluation standpoint, I think that would be a very welcome thing for the 49ers as they move forward, just so they can see what they need from a line perspective, from a quarterback perspective behind Garoppolo, all, all these things. I mean, it's it's all interconnected and it's all going to be really complicated. But the 49ers lose this one to Washington, 23-15. to It was very ugly from the offensive side of the ball. Ball. Defense played well, but it uh, doesn't really matter if you can't deliver a complimentary effort. We will uh, talk to you guys during the week. We might start with a head start on some of the 49ers offseason business. So in case you're checking out of this season, don't check out just yet because there's going to be a lot of future-facing discussion coming up on the Here's the Catch podcast. For Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi, and we'll talk to you later in the week.